bears witness to what I want to share with you. I want to prepare us for Easter. I want us to get ready to celebrate resurrection. And I want us to have an understanding of the resurrection. So, if you will, on your outlines tonight, the restoration has begun. I want to share that message with you. What I want you to understand is what the resurrection means eschatologically. Fancy word. Eschatology means end times. And there's a theological uh, uh, theory or definition of the eschaton, the end times, and it's this. It's now and not yet. Now and not yet. And I want to share that with you as to what that means. All right? The restoration versus heaven. Uh, I was listening to the radio today. I drove from uh, Pennsylvania uh, to get here uh, on time and uh, made it just on time. So, uh, but uh, I was really listening to the radio and I get tired. Now, please don't take this wrong. Let me explain myself. But I get tired of Christians talking about heaven. Okay? Um, heaven is real. Heaven is good. You were not made for heaven. Mankind was not created to float in clouds. We were made to have dominion and live on the earth. And that's God's plan for us. His plan is not for you to be in heaven. Heaven is just the holding tank till the full restoration of His kingdom comes on earth. You will have a resurrected what? I'm sorry, wait a minute. You'll have a resurrected what? Body. And it will be physical and spiritual united. It'll be like Jesus' resurrected body. You were made to be on this earth. And God is restoring His kingdom to the earth. Okay, so heaven is where we go. Yes, we go to heaven. Okay, but let me even go further. The, the, the streets in heaven paved with gold? No, they're not. The streets paved with gold are in the new Jerusalem. You with me? All right. The streets that are of gold are in the new Jerusalem. The abode and the place that he's prepared for us is in the new Jerusalem. Where is the new Jerusalem going to come from? Heaven and land on what? earth. You with me? So I want to give you this perspective. All right, thank God for heaven. Praise God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Our spirit and soul, when it leaves this body, will go to heaven, yes, until the full redemption comes and we get resurrected bodies, new bodies, and where do we come back to? Earth. To live for how long? Forever. Okay, so I'm just giving you perspective, but I want you to understand something that started now. That started when Jesus rose from the dead. How do I believe that? 1 Corinthians 15, 23, it's on your outline here. It says, But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then his coming, those, uh, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. So that's the order of the resurrection. So Jesus rose on the third day, did He not? And He is the first fruits of the resurrection. And then He will return, and that's when the, the resurrection of everybody takes place. 
Am I good so far? Are you, you with me? Does that make sense? Okay. But this verse says what? Each in his own, what's that word? Order. Ah, there is an order to this. There is a, another word for order is progression for this. And so, did the order or progression begin yet? Absolutely. How do we know this? Jesus rose from the dead. If he's the first fruits, that is an indication that he is the first one of the resurrection, of the harvest that's coming. Am I right? Okay. So the first fruits are the fruit in, in Hebrew language, biblical language, the first fruits is the first part of the harvest that just starts to bud that, that you offer unto God so that the rest of the harvest will come in fully. Jesus guarantees that. He is the first fruits of the resurrection. He came and said and preached, the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom's here. He came to bring the kingdom of God. If he rose from the dead, what has come? The kingdom of God. And the order is Christ brought the kingdom, and now the order is he's going to come back, and we're going to come with him. Right? We'll be resurrected with him. Does that make sense? So the kingdom has arrived, but yet there's more to come. Right? Okay? But I want you to understand that the kingdom has already been established. The king is seated on his throne. Who rules heaven and earth? Are you sure? You all seem a little tentative about this. When Jesus rose from the dead, theologically we call that the coronation of Christ. When he ascended to heaven, that is the coronation of Jesus Christ. We don't talk about that much. You know, it's interesting. It's too bad, too. What we talk about is his death, burial, and resurrection. And that is great and that is glorious. I'll tell you why we focus mainly on that. We focus mainly on that because what we've done is we've limited salvation simply to be get saved, live the best you can, and one day you're going to heaven. But if we would live the fullness of this good news, this gospel, what it says is Jesus died for our sins, he rose from the dead so that the Spirit could come and fill us, and then what's, what did he do after that? He ascended where? To sit at the right hand of the Father. And the king is now in his session. He is ruling and reigning. Come on, what did he say to his disciples? All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth and below the earth. He's King Jesus, am I right? All right, is he ruling or not? Yeah, but it seems like it's a mess down here. It's because we're not doing executing His will. That's the delay, us. Okay? Now, is everybody with me? All right. Now, Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. Christ, the first fruits. That means this thing has begun. Is that fair enough to say? If the first fruits came, that means it started. Each in its own order. The order has started. The kingdom has come. The progression is moving. What needs to get in step is his people. 
Let's get in step. Look at 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Stop a minute. We should be so much like Jesus that these people don't get us. We're so busy trying to make ourselves like the world, make everybody comfortable with the church. We dumb everything down, minimize everything about the Lord so that we don't offend anybody. Could you imagine if Jesus came and he said, well, I I don't know if I'm the Messiah. Yeah, I just don't want to tell anybody. Come on, Jesus offended everybody. I'm not telling you to offend people, but his presence created such a distinction between light and darkness. Okay? So this kingdom is here. You've been born again by God. Therefore, the world should be a little bit curious about you. Right? We go on. Beloved, now we are children of God. When? Now. I need a lot of interaction. It motivates me. (laughs) When are we children of God? All right. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Oh, we got good things yet to come. Right? Come on, the best is yet to come. But we know, we know this, that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is, and everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as He, Jesus, is pure. That process of purification, we are to be transformed into the image of Jesus here. Now, uh, John went on to say, we are like Him in this world. So we're to be like Jesus right now. We don't know what we're going to look like, but right now we should look like Jesus. Okay? Right now we should be acting like the Lord Jesus Christ. In order to do that, you've got to believe like Jesus. You've got to think like Jesus. You've got to honor the Father like Jesus. It's not part-time work. Right? It's not something you clock in on. I'm just part-time in this Jesus thing. I only work about 20 hours a week with it. I'm, uh, you know, I'm flex time. I'm just a filler. In the, in the, when you need me, Jesus, call me. Other than that, things are my way. I do it my way. But really, there's so many, we, we live like that so often. We're supposed to look like Jesus. Now it says, we don't know what is yet to come. It has not yet been revealed, but right now we're children of God. Right now we should be looking like Jesus. So what that means is when Jesus rose from the dead, the kingdom began. The Sermon on the Mount began. That's the kingdom life. We're looking like Jesus, talking like Jesus, acting like Jesus. The best stuff's yet to come, but we got good stuff right now. And so, what does that mean if the resurrection took place? What's it going to look like when He comes? We don't know exactly, but, but I want you to see something. If, let, if, check my logic out. If Jesus rose from the dead, we are going to be like Him. Right? So we can get our cue from Him. So we should be living towards that purpose. He's going to come back. We're going to be like him. We should be living towards that. The kingdom has begun. Let's live towards that right now. The Christians should be transforming this world closer and closer to what it should look like when Jesus returns. Now that's going to create a great 
obstacle and force against a world who doesn't want it, but we've got good stuff that a lot of people want. Now, let me show you, in the, in the resurrection, when Christ comes, there's going to be vindication. Vindication. Do you know what vindication means? When you're proven right. How many, how many of you uh, like to be proven right? Yeah, I'm, thanks, Tina. You're the only... <laughs> I think really everybody does. Don't you love to like say, ah, this is the way it should go, this is the way it should go, this is the way it should go, and it, and it, and it turns out that's the way it should go. <laughs> this is great. I got it right. Everybody likes vindication. There's a sense of vindication, but not for punishment, but just when Christ returns, there will be a vindication. It says in Luke 12, Jesus is talking to the hypocrites of the Pharisees, and He says, There's nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you've spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. What you've spoken in the ear of inner rooms will be proclaimed from the housetops. Back deals. Do you know we're going to flip out when we look at history and find out what really happened? It's all going to be exposed. Who did kill Kennedy? It's all going to spoil. All these back deals, right? Backroom deals. Said what you conspired in the dark, what's going to happen? All of it's going to be seen. There's going to be a vindication. Has anybody ever worked against you? Have you ever had a situation where you, because you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, didn't say anything? Right? You, you could have. And uh, they wanted to fight. They wanted this and that. You didn't say anything. You stood on righteousness and you didn't dog or anything like You didn't get after it. You just, okay, whatever. I'm not going to get an argument. One day that'll be exposed. You did that for me? Yeah. And I was mad at you, and I did this, and I spoke against you. Wow. Everything will come to light. Now, let me ask you a question. What if nothing comes to light? Like there's really nothing to vindicate you from. In other words, you didn't participate. (laughs) You didn't tell someone about Jesus, so there's no sense of they never heard it from you. You didn't say what was right so that you'll be proven right when the Lord comes because you just didn't even stand on one side or another. Wouldn't that be crummy? What I'm saying is get in there. Speak the gospel. Preach the gospel. One day it will come to light that you were right. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the way of salvation. Everybody will know it. Can you participate in that? Or are you going to be on the sidelines? When everyone comes to know it was Jesus and your friends look at you and said, you knew this? You you never... I mean, if you knew this, I I think of the guy... uh, uh, Who is the guy? Uh, The the magician. Pell. Pell and Tanner. Tell. Tell and Penner. You ever hear a tell and penner? Pen and teller. I was right the first time. Pen and teller. All right. Whatever. You guys know these people? Right? Magicians, this and that. Pen is like a, an atheist on steroids. He hates Christians. Hates them. 
hates Christians, avid atheist, he says this one thing about Christians. He said, if you are right and your Jesus died for sins and there is a God, and if I believed that, I would, and there is a hell, he said, you couldn't stop me. I would be telling everybody about Jesus to save them from hell. That's his biggest criticism about Christianity. You say you believe in a hell, but you don't seem to care about anybody. See, if we're going to be vindicated, let's be vindicated for something. Preach. Get out there and get crazy with telling people, don't worry, one day you will be vindicated. If you know this, one day they'll know the truth. Then why not tell them? Why not stop worrying about what they're going to think of you? Because one day, I'll tell you what they're going to think of you if you hold information. So do you want them mad at you now? Or do you want them mad at you when there can be no change? See what I'm saying? So that's what I mean about the now and the what's coming. The kingdom has come. Don't, there will be vindication. So begin now by Speaking and speaking and speaking about this kingdom. Let's go on. Truth. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but face to face then. Now I know in part, but I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Jesus said, I am the truth. When Christ comes and returns, we will know fully as we are known. Let me ask you this question. What that says is you're going to know Everything about everything, including God. How much? As much as God knows you. How, how much does God know you? Right? Where's the Holy Spirit live, by the way? In the believer, like right in here. Knows every, he, not, he not only knows your actions, He knows every thought. And then it says this, and the intent of the heart. Not only what you're thinking, but what you want to be thinking. What you think you should think and going to think. The intent of it. That's crazy. Now, does God know you? That's how well you're going to know Him. Is that crazy? That is crazy. He knows my favorite ice cream. He knows what I like, what I don't like. He knows what I think about myself. He knows my inner struggles. God has no inner struggles. So you're going to know his peace. You're going to know his mind. You're going to know everything about him. Truth is going to be absolutely pure. A purity of truth and knowledge. But that began at the resurrection. You see, the now and the not yet... There's going to be a fullness of truth coming. Do we have any truth now? Yes, it's begun. The kingdom has begun. You have truth. You will be vindicated. So speak. You have the truth now. You have revelation truth that this blind world doesn't have. They can't see it. They can't hear it. They don't know it. You do. You know who truth is. You know him, Jesus. Do you get this? The truth has begun now. 
that fullness of truth. You have more truth than King David had. You have more truth than the prophet Isaiah had. You have more truth than Adam had. You have more truth than Noah, than Moses, than any of them had. They didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit. You do. They didn't know Messiah came and died for your sins. You do. You didn't, they didn't know He's coming again so that you'll know Him perfectly. You do. You have the full counsel and wisdom of God now because the resurrection came and the spirit of wisdom and knowledge was put in you. So the restoration has started. That's what I'm getting at. The restoration of the kingdom started. You know how long ago? (laughs) 2,000 years. We've been in the restoration for 2,000 years. Should be going pretty good. Right? 2,000. The restoration's begun. Guys, we walk around. Woe is me. Oh, what are we going to do with the kingdom of God? The restoration is here. I've got the answer for every human need. I, I have to confess to you, God has, uh, God has shown me where I failed in my ministry the last 22 years. And I have. He's shown me an area where I've really failed in my ministry. What I've been doing is trying to minister to people's lives. I minister into people's lives, Jesus. And what he's shown me is stop ministering into people and just show them Jesus. I need to be bringing people to him, not me trying to get Jesus to them. Now that might seem like a little difference, but it's everything. The only thing that's going to change your life is a revelation of Jesus Christ. But if we keep ministering to your dysfunction and your needs and your sin and your problems, it's all about you. I'll tell you one thing that changes a human heart, a revelation of God. A revelation that just wipes you out. It's the only reason you got saved. Not because someone had a clever argument. You had a revelation of God that superseded you. And and I've realized... I've been, out of a good heart, I've been ministering to you. God bless you. I'm sorry. I spent so much time on you. I love you, but, but that's not doing it. Look to him. Look at him. If, if I could do everything to just bring greater revelation of him, look at him, we would change. Does that make sense? Let's go on. Let's go on. I need to drive for longer hours. It helps. All right. We will be cleansed and forgiven. 2 Corinthians 5, 6. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. In other words, I have an assurance of my salvation. I know I'm saved. I know that to be absent from this body, you kill me tonight, I'm with Jesus right now. All right, there is a now and a not yet. I'm not there yet, I'm here. But instantaneously, I can be there. Right? So why do I not live like I believe that? That I am instantly secured in heaven. I got a seat in heaven. I got a place in heaven. 
right? I've got a seat in the kingdom of God. I will return. I'll reign on earth. So what am I so afraid of? Why am I living this way? Why am I seeking so many creature comforts when I know I'm good? I am cleansed. I am forgiven. I am accepted in the beloved. I've got to get there, get out there, and get other people in. I've got to do everything I can to do this. The restoration has begun. You're a cleansed people, a saved people. Let's go rescue the perishing. It's already begun. Pain. What about pain? We're going to be free of pain in the full restoration of our bodies. Who can't wait for that? Come on. Man, stop for a minute, meditate. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. Free from pain. For eternity. Right? All right? Romans 8.18, For I consider that the suffering of this present times are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. Where? In us. See, a lot of times we think about that. When we get to heaven, the glory, or the new kingdom, right? The glory is going to be spelled so spectacular, you're not even going to think about pain. No, it's not that. It's that literally your body is going to be so transformed that glory is coming out of you. Where once there was pain is now glory and majesty. The glory of God is going to be so pouring out of you on display as much as it was like when you had pain. The pain is nothing. Now, we're all here tonight. There's folks who can't get here because of the pain. Right? But, but when we find the, the full redemption of this kingdom, our bodies changed, fully cleansed, knowing God perfectly, huh, this suffering we had here is going to be like nothing. So again, I go back. Therefore, what should we do? The redemption has begun. The restoration has begun. That's why Christians minister to people in pain. That's why we should be. The the restoration should start now. We know that we're going to be free of pain. So what do we want to do? We want to relieve everybody from pain. We want to free people from pain. We want to care for the sick. You know, the, the, the Christians had established hospitals and care for people throughout all the ages that every other culture started picking up on it because of the, the restoration of the kingdom. The Christians now cared for those who were suffering and dying to relieve pain because Jesus came to relieve pain. It's not enough that you pray for the sick. We must tend to the sick. Does that make sense? We all want them healed by divine, miraculous intervention. How about that and you give them a cup of cold water, soothe their tired brow, and care for them while they're sick. That's the restoration of the full kingdom of God relieving pain right now. It's going to come miraculously. It's going to come in the twinkling of an eye. But till then, I'm bringing it. You getting that? I'm bringing it. So I'm going to bring the restoration of the kingdom. I'm going to soothe you when you're in pain. I'm going to care for you while you're in pain. Why? Because the restoration of the kingdom of God has come. Jesus rose from the dead, and I'm going to spend my time with you, caring for you. Now, each of us can do this in different capacities. Now, I'm speaking that generally, because some of you are going to say, well, why weren't you at my house last week? So we all have different capacities to do that. All right? 
Now, let's go on. Peace and harmony. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God, the manifestation of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not willing, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until... That's weird. Until now. Until now. I thought that meant when Jesus returned. Why does it say until now? Because the kingdom started. The manifestation and the demonstration of the kingdom has already begun at the resurrection. We should be changing and ministering to creation. How many of you ever heard the term of environmentalists? Right? Tree huggers. People that are crazy about nature. Shouldn't we be? Aren't we the stewards of creation? Shouldn't we be stopping the destruction of this planet from our egomaniacal need for money? Right? We're destroying this planet. Oh, you sound like a tree hugger. I'm a manifested son of God. And I am relieving the groaning of creation who has been waiting for the manifestation up till now. You see, we're supposed to be redeeming things now. We're here we got to get a hold of this thing. The restoration has already begun. Caring for people. Caring for this planet. Caring for the... As Jesus would. Now, I'm not taking it to... I don't want to take it to extremes, please. And I know people take it to extremes. We're not here to serve nature. Nature serves us. I get that, right? So don't take it out of balance. But the only reason I'm showing you this verse is it says, until now. So what I'm trying to prove to you is the resurrection was the start of the restoration of the kingdom of God on planet earth. We've gotten to this mentality. Somebody hear me tonight. We've gotten to this mentality that we don't do anything till Jesus comes. And he's saying, church! You're supposed to be doing all of it now. Amen? You with me? Amen. And I'm not saying this as a rebuke. I'm saying it as, listen, look at what we are discovering and what we're coming into knowledge of. I've got something to do every day. I'm going to bring the restoration of the kingdom. Peace and harmony. Oh my goodness. Now what about evil and sin? Revelation 20.10 What will happen? The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone and the beast and the false prophet are there and they're tormented day and night. Then death and Hades are cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death anyone found not written in the book of life is cast there. All sinners, all evil, all demonic forces are going to be gone. That's what's going to happen. What about now? It's supposed to be happening now. Where's Satan supposed to be according to Romans 16? 
under our feet. He is a defeated foe. I'm giving you authority and power to cast out demons, to lay hands on the sick, right? Right? The, the restoration has begun now. Start kicking demons out now. Have authority over the demonic powers now. Do you know how many demonic powers are let loose right now in the United States? Right now in our community, there is a demonic onslaught like never before. Our children are being so barraged by demonic forces. Well, someday the devil's going to be thrown into the lake of fire. And these kids, these people need a tongue-talking, delivering-powered, baptized Holy Spirit, laying hands, healing Christian on their block. That's you. That's me. That's us. Now, you do it the way you need to do it, right? I mean, you don't have to look like the guy on TV or the group that was at the Kobo Arena. I don't even know if they use Kobo anymore. But you know what I'm saying? Just be you, fully empowered to bring the restoration of the kingdom of God. Amen? That's what we're looking for. Now, let me close with this. I'm going to bring all of this into to the understanding through the story of Jesus and Thomas. John 20, 26 and 29. After eight days, his, Jesus' disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst. He said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. Thomas was the only one of the twelve disciples that hadn't seen Jesus. He had to wait a whole week. I think that's interesting. I think Jesus purposely waited a whole week while all the other apostles are going, did you see him? It was awesome. I saw him. I know I was on the road talking to him. We broke bread. Ah, it was Jesus. Thomas is going, I don't, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And he says earlier in John, he says, not unless I can put my finger in his uh, hands inside. I don't believe him. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They're still all talking about you. What does this mean? I don't know. Let's understand. He rose from the dead. That means the scripture, this and that. He, Thomas, is in, he can't even get into it. Week later, eight days later, <laughs> Jesus comes into, the room's locked. The doors are shut. Jesus, boom, walks in. There's your resurrected body. That's what we're going to be able to do. That's what we're going to be. But in the meantime, Jesus visited them right there. Right? Now, what happened to the pain of Jesus? Jesus had severe pain on the cross. How many of you know that? Suffered severe, terrible pain. Was Jesus in pain in that room? No pain. What did Jesus say to them? Peace. Was there peace? <laughs> Absolutely. He's the Prince of Peace. He just secured salvation for mankind for all eternity. It's a done deal. It's good. 
No more pain. Perfect peace. And he goes to Thomas and he says, full revelation. I want you to understand me fully. Come put your hands. He met him right where his question was. Put your finger right in my hands. Right in my side. Here, come on. Right? He met Thomas at his questioning. Hit his doubt. Truth came. The restoration of Thomas began. When did it begin? When he rose from the dead eight days ago. But he didn't believe it till he encountered him. The restoration has happened 2,000 years ago. When are you going to believe it? He finally believed it. And what did he say? My Lord, which is fine, my Lord, my Adonai, my Master, that's what students say to teachers, that's what servants say to bosses, my Lord, and my Theos. Now a Jew doesn't call anybody God other than God. My Master and my God. His theology, bam, changed immediately. And the restoration began. He understood the king is on the throne. The kingdom has begun. Did Thomas worry about pain from there on out? Did he worry about sickness? No. He gave his life for the Lord. He ended up in India. Thomas was a martyr, died in India, bringing the gospel to India. There are still churches today in India thriving. Christianity is growing very, very quickly and very fast because there was a man named Thomas who 2,000 years ago met Jesus at the beginning of the restoration of the kingdom of God and took the kingdom to India and it is still restoring that nation right now. Amen? That's the restoration we're talking about. We're not supposed to sit around and wait till we die, till Jesus comes, till we can endure, till we get over. It's the restoration. The resurrection was the beginning of the restoration. We're in the process to bring the kingdom into nature, bring the kingdom into sickness and disease, bring the kingdom into health, bring the kingdom to bring peace, bring the kingdom to bring truth, bring the kingdom to bring revelation, bring the kingdom to change our nation, our people, our climate, everything is to bring the kingdom to bear to planet earth so i don't have to put a conclusion on this because jesus started this thing by these words get into the game jump into the pool walk out on the ice let's go people let's go amen come on stand with me and let's worship a mighty god